0: The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds podcast on WFUV Sports.
1: We're back here with another episode of It's a very special one. We're in the studio, guys. We have not been in this studio together, the three of us, Mm. maybe ever. Like, honestly, with mics in front of us. Uh, I'm joined with Sam Davis, Mike Calamari. So, obviously, great episode. But before we get into the baseball, because there's a lot of baseball, let's just – we're all friends here. How are you doing today, Sam?
0: Uh, I'm doing great, like you said. First time in a while. Uh, You know, for me, obviously, I was – I was in the studio on Saturday but you know now being back here with you guys you know yes. it's been a long time uh, it feels amazing it was great you know it was a great semester abroad but it's so awesome to be back and what, what better way to be back than on nosebleeds? I mean, come on. I'm super excited to talk all things baseball.
2: Yeah, I mean, you hear Nick DeLuca on in the intro. How can you not be excited? Goosebumps, the, fired up. Literally goosebumps. I was actually watching his call of the <laughs> yeah, Cyclones Homer. Great job on that Grand Slam call, so shout out Nick DeLuca. But we're not here to talk about Nick DeLuca. No. We're here to talk about Major League Baseball, and we've got a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, let's, let's definitely do that. Sam, I want to ask you something quick, though, about abroad, because yes. I was in Europe one week, and... The amount of Yankee hats we saw with people who had no clue, though, anything about the Yankees or anything like that was staggering. So when you were gone for these last four or five months, how many Yankees, how many regular just American baseball hats, jerseys, anything like that did you really see?
0: Yeah, so Yankees hats were the number one thing out of any sport any sport, any team I saw. Does this in, include in um, like soccer teams in Europe? Um or like Barcelona, Real Madrid. I would say more Yankees hats if wow. I'm going to be honest. But I, obviously, I, I wasn't in Spain. Like I was in Ireland, and and I, you know, Ireland soccer is not. Their biggest sport really it's, it's huge there But it's they have some other sports Like mm-hmm. Gaelic football They well, have some I, other sports I just think with the there, Yankee too.
2: hat like, It's not even players That make it famous You know, Jay-Z no, made no, no, the no. Yankee hat <laughs> is Really famous
0: it, 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 It's got nothing to do with Jay-Z It's got nothing to do With the players All it has to do With the very <laughs> fact That it says NY And they know New York And they don't know I, I, Most of them probably Don't even know anything About baseball at no. all Because it's not big no. In Europe at all So most people Don't Give know anything Give me the
2: anything. percentage Of people living in Europe That know Aaron Judge It's not a high number I would. Is it over uh, over twenty percent? No, no,
0: no. Yeah, I, I would, would say, say it's like ten. I would say is it it's, double digits. Yeah, I would say maybe ten. I would say ten's pretty accurate. Maybe fifteen, but probably ten. Yeah, I'd say ten percent, and then that's pretty generous. But uh, another interesting thing, you know, before we jump into everything baseball, is um, I saw a ton of NBA jerseys in Ireland. So on, on the campus, a, a ton of. Uh, it's funny. I saw a lot of John Morant Grizzlies jerseys. Because they, I think it was like their throwback, or like it was, it was a cool looking jersey that you could tell they just bought because it looked cool, and they do not have any idea who the Memphis Grizzlies are. I but wonder
1: if they even know what Memphis is. Like, let's yeah, no, probably not. probably not,
0: probably <laughs> not. But I mean, they, I didn't know what Memphis was for a while. <laughs> but there are more NBA fans definitely in Europe than baseball, obviously. So
2: I, I got another question for you. So I'm in the city. I think it was this weekend, or maybe earlier in the week, and you know, I, I stumble into some Irish restaurant to get some food and hurling is on yes. at the championship. Yep. I walk into the championship, guys have jerseys on, they're like yep. watching this game. What a fascinating game. Have yeah. you have you like watched any hurling
1: when I you? i watched the-
0: I watched a little. I didn't actually get to go to a match which I was really upset about. I went to a Gaelic football match um How's that? which is like soccer with your hands, but you have to dribble.
1: We have a team here. It's actually. a really
0: really yeah, we do actually. Yes, yeah, like a club. Yeah. yeah. Um it's a really fascinating sport. Gaelic is, and that's huge. Hurling is also huge. Those are, like, the two biggest in Ireland, and then soccer, I would what say. rugby? Um, rugby, too. I mean, they, they have a lot of different sports. Rugby, they had a huge tournament when I first got there, the Six Nations, which was massive. It was, like, between France, Italy, uh, England, um, obviously Ireland, and I think uh, Wales, or, you know, a couple other other teams. Now, did in you there. go to that? Um, no, it was impossible to get tickets. Really? They were sold out, and, and they, they only released them, like, Very specific times. Basically, I talked to someone, like, from Ireland, and they said, like, you literally have to know someone to go. Like you can't really get tickets. Like it, it was such a major, huge event. But being in the city of Dublin while that was going on was really cool because everyone was in the streets watching those games. So it's definitely sports. Uh, sports are huge there. It's just not the sports that you should have. You should have applied for a credential. Yeah, maybe. I know. <laughs> I know. I honestly thought about it before going, coming down, and then I realized how big the tournament was, and I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to get approved.
1: Ninety point seven FM. <laughs> what radio signal is that? In here? <laughs> um, you said something, Sam, as we shift. How you know like 10% around nowhere and judge but he's done everything this year to try to raise that number. <laughs> they, yeah, he has. W- yeah. And so definitely. let's use that as kind of how we shift here to to the Yankees and let's get into it. Um you know it, it's the narrative with them hasn't really changed these last few weeks. They just continue to win and win a two touchdown win over the Cubs yesterday to sweep the series there 18 to 4 just you know the bats when they go silent for a game, they wake up in style. Two straight games, six homers on Saturday. So in terms of the Yankees' front, I guess, you know, Sam, I, I want to start with you because me and Mike have talked Yankees a ton. We've been lucky enough to cover them. We were having a conversation the other day, me and Brian, where we were trying to remember the last losses we we covered, and yeah, Mike covered like man. one all year. Brian, what? If you told me
2: what loss I covered, I, I'm not sure if I'd be able to tell you. I can't remember. Yeah. I really can't. You
0: guys sound so annoying right Yeah,
2: now, no, It
1: was I, a very arrogant, <laughs> arrogant group text that well, was Well, they've going. only
0: lost
2: we, we were talking about this because we were going through our sound, and we, I'm not sure if we're going to play, but Jameson, Italian, was talking about how much of advantage playing at home is. And I, they've only lost seven home games this season. So, I,
1: I mean, you got to think about if you who's do the math, covered those games. We've had a few here and there. It's like one to two each of per us. Per person, yes. is crazy. So, I guess on that note, just asking from your perspective, someone who's been watching them you know, from afar, but obviously keeping tabs on them, there's a lot of things you can go to here. But from your perspective, what have been kind of – maybe we'll start with the biggest surprises to you in this team because I don't think – Anyone here expected them to be at forty-four and sixteen?
0: The surprise, the the biggest surprise to me is the offense because the pitching is always it seems to be always there year in and year out for the Yankees. No matter who they have in that starting rotation, it just seems like they really? figure out a way.
2: Yeah. Definitely uh, last year, I'd say. I would say, like, the pre Matt
0: Blake eras
2: era, no. Well,
0: I mean, obviously recently. I'm not talking. About oh, anything. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would uh, say COVID on, the pitch yeah, has been. Yeah, I'm obviously solid. talking recent. I'm not really talking too far back. But I mean, at least, you know, especially going off last year is a good example of, like, you know, um, just finding way and then obviously you have Nestor Cortez has been a huge surprise in how well he's been you kind of saw some signs of of promise with him last year okay. definitely but um, and by the way shout out you guys for a great piece on Nestor Cortez Thank of course is watching that from afar but um, anyway to, you know to see him and his success you know super happy for him uh, considering the route that he took obviously late round draft pick um, and everything that he's done but with this team I mean like you said, Ryan, you know it seems like at times they've had, you know, the bats will go silent, right? But then the pitching will kind of pick things up, or the pitching will, you know, struggle a little bit, but the bats will, you know, pick up the slack. That's really what good teams do. You know, they find a way to win night in and night out, despite the fact that you know you're not always going to get a good start from, you know, even Nestor You know, I think his last start out was like, you know, not great. You know, considering how well he's been in the past. Garrett Cole had a tough start as well. You know, once in a while. Uh, you know, the ability of the, uh, the, the bats to be able to pick up the pitching when it's struggling and then vice versa, I think really shows how good this team is right now. Um, but I would say overall, just, you know, I, I, Ryan, I was talking with you earlier about it. I'm like, what has changed about this team? You know, I know there's some additions to this group, obviously, and those have been really important, um, but you have the same manager and you have a lot of familiar faces. And obviously Aaron Judge has been, you know, just lighting the game of baseball on fire. But that's my question, I guess, to you guys is, you know, what has been? It, it's, it's almost like it's, it's shocking how good that they have been. And for me, I, I'm I'm having trouble pointing out exactly what that may be. So
1: if we take, <clears throat> excuse me, a look at the lineup, you did ask me earlier, like, do you think it's sustainable with yeah. how good they've been? I, I believe they definitely lead the majors in homers.
0: I forget if it's by five, they whatever. They lead the they lead the majors in almost, almost everything. everything. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I was looking at like team pitching. They, they the you know, I think they're first in ERA. And then you go it's to team hit- the Dodgers, and then you go to team hitting, and they're right up first at the top too. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's insane. Like they're literally leading in just about everything.
1: And it's like they give up; they've given up the least homers, they've hit the most. That's the why same.
0: I ask: is Is it sustainable, though? Because it just seems like this level of success is so hard to so, continue over a full but, season.
2: But I'll jump in real quick. Yeah. Doesn't need to be sustainable. No, no, no. that's that, you can play 500 baseball and you're first in the. I mean, you hope you're first in the AL East, and you I think don't that's want it.
1: But yeah, I mean, you're you are at the point now with the expanded playoffs. You you play 500, you're winning 95 games. I mean, when you have a 730 win percentage, now is that sustainable? It would put them right now. I believe they're on pace for 118 wins. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. What is the Mariners? It's uh, 119. Uh, I want to yeah, say yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. 116. No, I think you're right. I think you're okay. right. At 119. So I, I, you know, I don't think they're gonna hit that, right? Like I don't think that. I don't think they will want to hit that. You get
0: to a point where if you're like a Yankees fan, you I feel like you wins. worry. That you win that much because then it's like, oh boy, come playoff time, like they're just gonna like be flat. Yeah, you know, I remember, when you win too much. I almost. remember
1: thinking in like mid mid April or whatever, they went on they went on an eleven game win streak. I was like, Did they just waste their like big win streak of the year in April? Like that kind of blows, but then they <laughs> followed it up with an eight game winning streak yeah. and then a five game winning streak. And now they just sweep the team. So I don't think obviously when you look at the historic pace they're on, maybe that isn't sustainable, but you wanna take a specific look at who's contributing. And outside of Jose Trevino, who you know, I think we probably will get into later, who's making a case to be an all-star this year, which is incredible. I don't think there's anyone else you look at and you're completely shocked with. The big thing, Labor Torres returned to what he was a few years ago with the power. Obviously, the average isn't what it used to be, but it's not just, a
0: shock. But that you could call that a surprise, so I like, guess, considering how bad they, he was. Last I think it's year. a shock. They bet you on the bounce back. I think it's a shock.
1: They bet on the bounce back. They got it. And so that was something where it's a shock, but we've seen it before. Yeah. Um, Aaron Judge, MVP candidate, we've seen it before. Carlos shock. Stanton, 900 OPS, we've seen it before. Anthony Rizzo, big hit after big hit. You know, he, he teetered off a little bit after a great start, but he's still got an OPS of 800. That's not a shock. Josh Donaldson, he's been great, and that was a, a big move they made in the offseason with – you know they they traded Gary Sanchez and Gio Rochella, and it's worked out for the Yankees. There's no question about that. Gary's been fine in Minnesota, but with what Jose Trevino and even Kyle Higashioka behind the plate have given them, it's made up for the defense in the past, and that's played a big role in the pitching too. So, you know, I you want to keep going down the list. Isaiah Connor Falefa, he hasn't lit the world on fire. 267, but that's your eight hitter. Like that's a guy who's going to have a professional at bat after professional at bat. A Joey Gallo struggled so it hasn't been like one through nine's been an all-star um, but when someone needs to step up Matt Carpenter off the street which we can get into in a minute they've done so so that I think there's a specific culture that teams have at a certain point where it, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup they're going to contribute so I definitely to you know circle back to your original question is it sustainable with the lineup I believe at the end of the day I'm curious what you think Mike because you seem to be more surprised on the pitching I think the lineup is sustainable.
2: Yeah, I think the Lions doing, like you said, exactly what we thought it could do. You think On Aaron, paper, this is what I think, you think Aaron Judge might be the surprise for me. Just the wow. b- hitting for average it, and man. the homers. He's got 24 bombs. He's hitting 318. And I, you just don't see those kind of splits in today's baseball. So for me, that's been the surprise. Stanton's been great. Uh, I want to see a little more out of Donaldson. I feel like he's been the one bat in the middle of the lineup where he feels like he's kind of an out. Um Rizzo, he's kind of teetered off. Like you said, he slowed down a bit. You know, batting average at .219 now. But you still like what you see from him. OPS just under eight hundred. And the power from Glaber, another surprise. So I think the lineup is in a good place. Even if one guy falls off, it's not like everyone's on.
1: You don't want everyone to be hot at the same time. No, that's an
2: old and, adage and in that's not what it is. Right. It's a collection of guys that have been swinging the bat well.
0: Well, that's that's the benefit of having a deep lineup because you can you can afford to have some guys slump and struggle. This is
2: the thing: how deep does it go? Because for me, you do fall off quite a bit when you get to kind of Falefa, Donaldson, Gallo, and Hicks are like they might not even they might as well go up to the plate with a rolled up piece of newspaper for me. (laughs) I mean, I know Gallo had the big double the other day. He seems like he's swinging a better stick now, but he just seems so easy to figure out. Where he's striking out 67 times this year, he's only walked 22. And those are splits he's usually a lot better in. Right. Um, And Hicks is just, he doesn't give you the defense he used to. His arm's nothing now. And he's not even a three outcome player. He's a two outcome player. He's a strikeout or walk. Yeah. So those are the two guys that I think they need to really address um, because they could hurt him down the line in the playoffs. But you're still happy with the top half of this. You know offense and if the bottom half can start to get things going then you know you can you know of like handle some slumps from the judges from the Stanton's, from the rizzos and still win games.
1: Yeah, I think you know you make the point about Gallo and Hicks and it's certainly fair because they've really struggled this year but when we talk about getting hot and everything like that you look back to that Minnesota game that wild third game Gallo two homers. Hicks it's a homer. So when we talk about, you know, obviously they've been cold a long time. If they can kind of flip it, when let's be realistic, is Aaron Judge going to keep up this insane pace? Yeah, probably not going to hit sixty five. Yeah, homers. and
0: that's what I meant by depth. It's just these guys have the potential. You know, like Joey Gallo has that potential to get hot.
1: I don't know what I don't know what potential Gallo. Well, we've seen it in his career. Yeah, not in New York. No, not yet. But I mean, when he hits homers, they've come in bunches. He, it's he... also
2: a contract year for him. This has got to be the year he. Puts up the numbers, you know, because yeah. I don't know who's gonna sign him right now. Looking at this, I know he's the Gold Glove winner, but that's, I mean, that's 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 the biggest problem for me. And I guess the other thing with Hicks is that he doesn't like he's playing a bad center field. So you're you're moving him the left, and you're getting the outs. Now Judge has to move over to center field. You're taxing that body. The outfield for me, it gets a little shaky. I think it sometimes with Gallo and Hicks. I'm in nitpicking because this team's forty-four and sixteen. But if there's somewhere to work on, it's the bottom half of the order. And it's, you know, fixing those outfield gloves and, you know, bats. I know Gal is great defensively, but Hicks and hicks and uh gallo at the plate are you know struggling
1: and it is it is so funny that we're honestly doing this much negative talk right now i know i was gonna, it's gonna say mike
0: i'm like oh, <laughs> you're impressively negative right I now. i know you man. went I 18 to 4 and i you, thought and you two would be like you know s- annoying with the how, how 26, positive 26 runs over be.
2: two games of the cubs you think it'd be enough but <laughs> no I, I listen they've been doing great but we're, we go on the show to critique teams not really to just you know Well,
0: if you do want to i mean if you do want to you know, throw a little negative. I don't mind throwing a little negative at the Yankees. This ten-in-one stretch: um, Angels, Tigers, Twins, Cubs, right? I mean,
2: well, they they single-handedly ended the Angels season for
0: I don't know, like a good week. But and then a half. you you have Rays twice, you have Blue Jays. You so have this Astros stretch coming, coming. up yeah. is an absolute. Well, they
1: had a really light schedule first third of the season, and then yeah. yeah so I mean, obviously, you look at what they, they're still six and three against the Blue Jays. Yeah, um, you know, and, and,
0: and the division is like. Doesn't matter right now with how how far they're ahead of everyone else. So like that's that's I guess what gives you a little bit of breathing room. But if you the Ra- if the Rays
2: sweep that nine games back comes to
0: six, yeah, you know it, I, it can change very. It can change quick. Qu- I mean, we'll talk about the Mets later. That's a perfect example. Yep. I mean, it, it, things can change very quickly. But, but
1: a way to put it perfectly is like you look at what the Red Sox—they've won eight of ten. Um, they've lost a game and half in the standings. Yeah, winning eight of ten. So that is honest. yeah. As a Red Sox all fan, like
0: I've I've completely given up on the division. And he said To me earlier. And, uh, like I, I I don't even think about it. And just with how well the Yankees have been playing, I'm like I don't even think about the that. last it's three all weeks, wild weeks.
1: The last three weeks they have the second best second best record in baseball. Yeah, they're playing
0: they're playing great baseball. They're getting they're getting on track w- from a really bad start, and they're playing the way that they should. But it's not even a thought of the division. But well, they're
1: falling more behind while playing this well, well.
2: As we talk about the Red Sox, we talk about the division. I think the one thing with the Yankees that's going to keep this offense in line is someone we haven't mentioned. I think that's DJ LeMahieu, and I know the numbers don't show it. 262. Um, his OBP is very good this season, actually. OPS, the power numbers seem to be better this season than they have in years past, so he seems to be getting back uh, to that 2020 self of his. But just the consistency out of him, I feel like he's a 1-for-4, 2-for-5 every game, and I know it doesn't show in the stat sheet when you look at his season, but you're always going to get some sort of production. Out of Lemayhu, and I think that's really important, you know, for this team whether he's batting first, fourth, or fifth. I I think that's going to keep this team moving along and you know help them in days when the offense doesn't have. It It
1: is very funny how they do the lineup because you see him hitting cleanup, and it's like this is a team that leads the league in homers, and your four hitters, DJ Lemayhu, and judges (laughs) lean off, and and it works though and you scored eighteen runs in that game, and yeah, and DJ Lemayhu. You know, you look at what—he's not going to be that 330 guy he was two years ago. He's just not. But 117 OPS plus, the average is 100 of that, obviously, as we know. So, you know, he's been, he's been an above-average hitter. He plays everywhere, a good fielder. But let's shift now to, I think, what's been the story the last week or so. It's Matt Carpenter. He has played 10 games with the Yankees. He has six home runs. He's the first player in Yankees history to do that. And the second
2: player in MLB history to do that with a new team. Trevor Story was the first in 2016.
1: Yeah, as a rookie, too, which was incredible. Unbelievable, yeah. But when Matt Carpenter, at 36, who looked like he was finished. He's reinvented himself. He's a 160 hitter with St. Louis last year, and we were just watching something earlier on YouTube breaking down the change in his swing. But what he was able to do, you know, he's hitting in AAA. The Yankees, they find him, and he just instantly becomes Barry Bonds. It's (laughs) unbelievable to see what he's done and the numbers are just absurd. Two homers, seven RBIs on that, you know, Cubs game the other day. Mike, what have you seen from Matt Carpenter kind of coming over here, looking like his career's finished? And becoming the best player in baseball over a ten game stretch.
2: Now what I do wanna say is that I have I'm I'm I am i i do not know much about Matt Carpenter when he was with the Cardinals. Now I I knew he was, you know, on the team, he was an all star, he was, you know, a very good infielder, but I hadn't seen his swing. What I will say right now, he looks really comfortable in the box. When he comes up to the plate, he looks relaxed and he doesn't try to do too much. He just flicks it over the right field wall. Um and I, I think he's aggressive, you know, he does strike out a bit, we've seen that. But it doesn't matter when you put in the power numbers that he's been putting up. Can he do this on a day-to-day basis? Obviously not, but...
1: You don't think he can hit 94 homers? No, I think he could shatter (laughs) the home run
2: record by end of July, actually. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's not going to do this on a day-to-day basis. He does seem for me like the perfect fit for him is a plug-and-play kind of guys are hurt he becomes an everyday player for a week then he's back to the bench um, a good pinch hit as a lefty bat so I like that kind of role for him I think Aaron Boone sees it the same way that's how we talked about him in the post-game press conference uh, and just the ability you haven't played in a week you come off the bench when the team needs you you weren't even in line to start that day the lineup has to change twice over before you get in and then you hit seven RBIs you get two home runs I think that says a lot about the kind of player the veteran he is and that makes him perfect for the role of someone that can step up when called upon. I just don't see where in the lineup he would be that kind of everyday player. Yeah, if he happened to be a left fielder, I think he fits a lot better with this team, or a center fielder. Obviously, he's not, so you can't change it. So I think that role he's perfect for, and you're just happy he's been able to give you this much production early on.
1: And that, now, that is the good problem. that We talked about the Gallo Hicks earlier, but that's the good problem, where you're wondering where you can play a guy who... Has six homers in ten games. Like, do you start him every day now? I mean, at this current pace, you have to you have to consider it. Yeah. Who he drops out?
2: Can. I don't think you you got to keep Glaber in there if I'm and the it's Yankees tricky. and, oh, yeah. and there.
1: because tr- he needs that he needs those. Yeah, that's reps. the
0: thing. It's hard to take a guy out that, like you just said, he needs the confidence, he needs the reps. And, and I think, think Carpenter has that because he's that veteran.
1: But he's and he went like a week without starting and
0: comes in and and right yeah, yeah. that's the beauty of Carpenter his ability to come off the bench like a veteran can and just be ready to hit. Yeah. Ready so to play. when
2: I look at this lineup. I guess you kind of move around the outfield so you can D.H. Carpenter, in my opinion. That's
0: what they've been doing. And
1: before we get into him a little bit, we have some sounds from Matt Carpenter from a game that you covered, Mike, on his recent success with the Yankees. I feel good in the plate. I feel like I can have competitive bat every time I get in there. You know, it kind of got away from me the last few years. Um, You know, just didn't really have it and was able to... Put in a lot of good work and had a lot of people help me kind of get it back. So it was pretty rewarding. And to be able to do it um, in New York City for the best team in baseball and, you know, them have the faith in the
0: sign me, it means a lot. And I'm enjoying it.
1: Shout out to background music there, by the oh, way. Oh, it's amazing. I They're
0: was getting J. soulful yeah. in, the, in, the, in the clubhouse there. Jeez. It was definitely a
2: different vibe when you sweep a team. So. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and you can just—the good vibe around the Yankees is there, specifically Carpenter. And, you know, Mark DeRosa did a great breakdown this morning on MLB Network where it was all about how Matt Carpenter found his swing. He went to everybody for success. Vado, Matt Holiday, old coaches, everywhere. And he ended up kind of figuring out where he has to be more athletic in the bottom half. Of, you know, his body, and that's what he's done. They showed some side by side where the bending of the knees in the St. Louis last year where he was in the 160s versus now with New York, it was wildly different. So when you see it's not just a guy kind of having a spark and emptying the tank, it's a real mechanical shift in his swing. It's him putting in
0: the work and yes. it and it paying off. Because which we is huge. we
1: see sometimes, you know, an old an old veteran will come in, he'll just empty the tank, he'll have a great twenty games, and then he'll teeter off. But I think when you go back to is it sustainable, when you see that there's legitimate adjustments and reasons yes. for the success, that's why, no, he's not gonna at 94 homers, but that's why you but, think, okay, this guy can be a legitimate player for the Yankees. I will season. say
2: this. Pitchers are going to figure him out at a certain point, and he's not going to be able to get the same pitches he's getting right now. Where, I mean, you see some of the home run balls, he gets all down and in, and he's able to just, you know, basically drop the hands on him and golf it out. Once pitchers, you know, start to see him actually get, you know, major league bats again with his new, you know, swing, his new stance. They'll be able to pitch to him accordingly, so you're going to lose the power automatically. You just have to hope he's a plug and play kind of guy where he can lift you out in a big spot cuz I know I keep going back to it. I think about this team, you really need to take an outfielder out of the equation, Hicks or Gallo, to make room for him because there's no spot. IKF needs to play short. I think Glaber's got to be the everyday second baseman, and I really think DJ's a good third baseman for this team. I think Donaldson would have to be the odd man out if he turned into an everyday player, you know, and probably Hicks or Gallo.
1: Well, the good thing is, um, you know, early in the year it was eight guys for nine spots. Now it's now you have two extra spots, right? It was already a question with D.J. LeMay, who being that kind of utility. So the thing I always go back to with these conversations is they usually figure themselves out. Yeah. Someone will get hurt. Someone will slump. It's unfortunate, but it is the reality, especially with how the Yankees manage injuries. But yet again, I think just to circle back one last time, Sam, these are the great problems to have in baseball when you have too many guys for spots in the lineup
0: Yeah it's definitely A great problem to have And um, you know I want to talk Before we talk Mets I want to talk about The pitching as well Of course Because um, that's been Just incredibly impressive The fact that Garrett Cole has The worst ERA Among the Yankee starters I think um, obviously can be concerning considering how much money Garrett Cole's getting, but also is a sign of how good the rest of the staff has been, whether it be Nestor Cortez, whether it be Tyone, whether it be Severino. Um, you know, really Severino, I think, is another surprise with how well that he's bounced back. And, how you know, obviously we've seen that in the past. We've seen that potential. But his ability to bounce back has been really huge. Uh, for the Yankees as well, and obviously Nestor, you know, leading the way there. But um, overall, you know, you got to give a ton of uh, ton of props to the starting pitching, which I think ultimately will carry them. And I, uh, if I were a Yankee fan, I would be pretty confident in this group going forward.
2: And for me, the starting pitching—it's not how good they pitch; it's how long they can pitch. They before.
1: go. They had that stretch, Mike. What was it like? Six it was, starts of yes. Yeah, so it seven was eights?
2: when Nestor went eight in Tampa, right? Yeah. And from him to the back-to-back near perfects and then the Seve one hitter where they went four straight games of seven-plus innings, I think, right? it's some insane stretch like that. The
1: one that broke it was like a five innings shutout.
0: And that is so huge in this part of the season when you want to keep the the, the bullpen fresh a little bit extra, you know, early on, because obviously you worry about that, you know, going into the later months, August, September, and even into October. You don't want the bullpen to be worn out a little too thin. And and
2: I think the analytics have driven away from starting pitches going deep in the games, but I like that Aaron Boones, you know, has the trust in this pitching staff. The fact Severino can go seven innings virtually in every start has been a Amazing, considering his health, considering yeah. how he's been, you know, on and off the IL, you know, these past few years. That's I think been the biggest surprise for me. But right, I, I do before we you know go to the Mets, which we have to talk about. I have a question for you. Wild card tomorrow. Let's say the you know Yankees find themselves yeah. in that situation, because that's where they've been. Uh, I know they're forty four and sixteen. Who's your starter if it's, you're the Yankees? I
1: like I like I'm. It's Garrett Cole still. Um
2: wow. I,
0: I could. I, there's no chance of yeah, starting It will be wow. no chance. Gerrit Cole is starting game one.
2: I know he is. I know he. But,
0: well, there's no. There's, there's not going to be a wild card scenario for for the <laughs> Yankees. But if there is, I don't know. That's Listen, surprising. You never right? know
2: with the AL East. That's one thing I will say.
1: Oh uh, yeah, and things can change quickly. And yeah. we're I just an think it's a fun thing because you do say. Word, I think he's been the no, worst starter No, it is a real pitcher. question I, right now. ERA aside, I think watching it statistically, I am incorrect by saying Garrett Cole, and I will like. There's. I can't deny that. I can't throw numbers at you to say why it's Garrett Cole, but he's you pay him and and you want to pay him and and I know he struggled last year, but if you look at his numbers in the playoffs, they're still really good overall. And I I trust the body of work and And
0: also how much of a I don't know if this would be a factor, but how much of his confidence would be hit if you don't start him. I just say you're not our ace, you know, that's an ultimate sign of like you are not our ace.
2: This is what I will say though with Cole, we saw it in the wild card game with the Red Sox. You know, we saw it in his last start. He's all or nothing. I mean, we saw it in the near perfect against the Detroit Tigers. I His mean, last start was horrible. Like, I mean, three yeah. home runs to start the game. I yeah. mean, it, it's all or nothing with them. You're yeah. either going to get seven shutouts. you can't afford in a
1: one game. But you do get the all a lot more than you get the bad. Like, he has three yeah, or four starts you a year do. that are pathetic. But, I mean, like, it's still it's going. If you lose a wild card game starting... Anybody besides Garrett Cole or just Game One, you're gonna look to yourself and say, "What are we paying this no, it's, guy?" Yeah,
2: it's the money, it's the clubhouse. You gotta start quiet. Yeah. I
1: get that at the end of the day. Yeah, and and listen, we'll see, we'll see how it shapes up because you know, I it's easier to say that in June, but if you. If Gary Cole has two, three more of these starts And Nestor Cortez is still pitching the way he is
0: Yeah, that's the thing If Nestor continues to pitch the way that he does yeah. Which is not a guarantee But if mm-hmm. that continues Then it's like That makes that decision a lot harder I would say So I
1: think I think you And you know We have two, three months to figure that out So yeah, yeah. we'll get to that But let now Let's shift to the Mets um, it's, Yeah,
0: Mike's like Oh, we have to talk about the Mets uh, I want to no. talk about the Mets I, wa- I, I, watched, watch the game. I watched the Yankees game last uh, night I, t- I turned it Good on in the you. eighth <laughs> inning <laughs> I saw The eighth
2: inning okay. Alonzo went yard <laughs> I was I was hanging with my friends. I was having a good time. I wasn't, you know, worried about the Mets. I covered the Yankee game and then I was like, you know, let's, check let's check in on the Amazons. All right, all right. All right.
1: <laughs> and and a win is what they did, as you bring up Sunday night baseball, four one win, and this wraps up the West Coast trip. And there's a million different, you know, things you can point to with it being different for the Mets now. But I think a really indicative thing is, one, two things. When that calendar flips to June, they've been the worst team in baseball. The June swoon, every Mets fan knows what it is. The West Coast does not do them any favors. And so when you have a stretch, we know they are missing their 1A and 1B in DeGrom and Scherzer. So when you have a stretch versus the Dodgers and Padres, who are both raking this year, and then the Angels, who made a drastic switch, you never want to play a team with a massive chip on their shoulder. That's what the Angels did they go 500 in this trip and overall with their great start with who they played with their injuries with it being june i think it's a massive win you end it you go on an off day you're feeling good you come back home versus the brewers another really good team battling for a division i think overall you look at this trip and i know the Braves will get into it because their their lead did you know basically slice in half but I think overall you have to be happy with what the Mets have done in this month.
0: Yeah, the Mets, you know, 22 games in 23 days. I mean, that's that's tough. And and obviously those, you know, that big long West Coast trip, like you mentioned, Dodgers, Padres, and then Angels there. Um, you know, at, at first it starts with two losses to the Dodgers. And I'm thinking, you know, oh boy. Yeah. First of all, I'm coming back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to start covering this team. It's June. They just <laughs> lost two games to the Dodgers. I'm like getting flashbacks to the Dodgers Giants last season, you know, that that big that stretch, stretch where they lost straight. just about every game and I was covering just about every game. <laughs> Which is a nightmare, but um, then they come back and they win. They they salvage that series. They split and they win two in a row. Obviously, in that they,
1: last game too, I think huge win, huge
0: win. Yeah, yeah, they were they had the lead, they blew it, they came back and won in extras. That was huge. Um, and then you know two out of three to the Padres, they lose whatever you know, and then they're able to you know win two out of three against the Angels, which is a nice series win. So overall, I agree. I think it, it definitely was a success. Um, You know, obviously uh, things are a lot scarier now with the way that the Braves have been playing and and, and really starting to come up on them. But uh, I was looking at the Mets pitching today and I'm thinking like, who is, you know, who is pitching for this team right now? Because you had, you know, you had obviously Scherzer and DeGrom were injured and then you have McGill was hurt. He just came back. Um, And then, you know, Bassett has been really struggling lately. So it's like, you know, this uh, pitching staff that was once really deep, really deep has now gotten a lot thinner, um, and it's going to be a little while before you see Degrom and Scherzer as well. Um, getting McGill back is big, though, and I think Carrasco has been better, uh, much better than last year, and, and, and at, at, at times has been what you expected out of him when you got him. Um, and then Walker has been okay, you know, obviously not nice as good start. as last year. Nice but start, got a big, win. Got a big yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been pretty good as well, but. Um, this pitching, I mean, they're just finding a way to get things done. The offense has been, obviously, the uh, the big success with this group and has been so fun to watch because last year – that offense at times was unbearable. With how you know just uh, how much they struggled with two outs, how much they struggled with runners in scoring position, especially that was really hard to watch. It, it, it can't be less true this year. I mean, it's opposite. They're hitting two eighty seven with runners in scoring position this year. They were two thirty eight last year, um, and obviously it's June, that's but uh, nice. that's a huge difference. And I think that is a big credit to Buck. That's a big credit to Eric Chavez, the uh, the new Mets pitching coach. Um, and obviously the additions to the lineup. Marte has been huge. Uh, you know, Pete's bounced back. Lindor's bounced back. Escobar and Canna and have been really big as well. Um, the lineup really is what gives me, uh, you know, a lot of optimism with this team that despite the fact that the pitching has been going through some injuries, um, the lineup just continues to rake and, and really provide for this group.
2: Yeah, I echo everything you know said there it's really been the lineup and coming in in the clutch with runners yeah. on the RBIs for this team are through the roof just because how often they get the job done you think about Francisco he yeah, got 57 RBIs yeah so he's he I think, think Francisco League. Lindor's top 10 in the MLB as well with RBIs I yeah. mean they, they've been fantastic and you look at you know their schedule this past week and a half uh two nosebleeds ago it was the middle of the National Series. That's how we judge all time by nosebleeds. <laughs> yes, about was, five
0: nosebleeds again. It was four
2: nosebleeds. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was two nosebleeds ago, and it was mid National Series, and it was I the uh, episode uh, with Matty Bimonte and Brian Raybacks, I believe, and I asked them. I said there was two games left in the National Series. And then you had the Dodgers, you had San Diego, you had Anaheim, and then you came back for the Milwaukee. Birds, yep. And I said over those 15 games, which it was, including two Nationals games, what's a good record you'll take? And I and everyone was like eight and seven, seven and eight, considering you know how little pitching you have, and you just have to find ways to get wins. This is also when the Angels were kind of near the top of um, the AOS. They already have five wins in that span of just the West Coast swing, and they got both of the wins at the tail end of the National Series. So that's already seven wins over the span before you head into the Brewer Series. So I said seven and eight was good enough. They already have those seven wins, and they have a full series against the Brewers.
1: Well, you can't get swept at home.
2: No, no, you, know, you can't get swept at home, but I'm just saying, considering where <laughs> yeah, you the Bre- are.
0: The Brewers are a good team, but, I mean, to be honest, the NL Central is, is not that good, so it, it, it's definitely a series that I think two out of three is pretty reasonable.
2: Yeah, and you look at their schedule, they have Marlins for three, then they have a two-game set against the Astros, Marlins again for three, another two games set against the Astros. The issue and though, then they if, have if, Rangers, Reds, Marlins again before they see a the lot
1: of wins in
0: there. Yeah, now I mean the Marlins are not a good team, don't get me wrong, but they do have some really quality starters they and have they, a, have they, they, have they have been have playing have a plus run differential. Yeah, and they've been playing pretty good right now. I mean I think they're like 6 and 4 in their last 10 something. I'm just saying like that, those so. teams you got a lot of games. those well, are definitely winnable, don't the get the me four wrong. four against
2: the Astros yeah. that kind of scare you. Yeah. But I think you're you're gonna be, you know, willing to, you know, lose some of those games because you got through the tough part of your schedule and you played five hundred baseball. Yes. And I think that's all you need to do. Then once if you can keep on doing that injuries, maybe too. play get a couple more wins, Scherzer DeGrom come back. I don't care if the Mets are second in the NL East. They just need Scherzer and DeGrom back and get a spot
1: in the playoffs and then they're fine. Well, here is the reason though that I think there has been panic, and it's because of that team in second place. And you made a point that I don't know if a ton of Mets fans agree with it at the moment just because of their historic start, but, I mean, you'll take the playoffs. Braves have won 11 in a row. And we saw the same story last year. So anybody who didn't think the Braves would turn around, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. It's literally almost a mirror of how last year went. The Mets are just significantly better. Yes. Uh, last year's Mets team— And it's
0: earlier, if I remember. Yeah. I mean, I, Ma- I think it was It was more July in... last yeah, year. Yeah, late it was July, July. Late. It was when yeah. the
1: Braves season flipped. So it's yeah. earlier. The Mets are way better. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to have that optimism, but they at one point had the biggest lead in baseball out of about maybe that was three nose nice leads ago, maybe two and a half <laughs> nose nice leads ago. Um, but now their lead is five and a half, which is still at this point of the year. If you gain two games a month, like you know that's great, and yeah. that's what they've essentially done. But the Braves are coming. We do know that, so I think there's a real charge. Mike makes a great point. You got through this part of the schedule where the optimism was a 500 record. That's what you're going to end up doing. You're going to be around there regardless. So that's great. And I just talked about how June, they're horrible, West Coast horrible. And so that's, that's all great. But I think when you look at the talent, the the Mets, I would take them over the Braves. I really would. So I do think you have to kind of keep fighting them off. Um, That stretch you brought up, there's so many wins in there. I know the Marlins are better than maybe, you know, what it, what the numbers say, but there's so many wins in that stretch. The Mets have a real chance here. I know the injuries. You can't always, though, bank. We saw last year they couldn't bank on Jacob DeGrom coming back. No, you maybe can't. Scherzer because it's not an arm, but I think the Mets have been through this story so many times with injuries where you almost have to look at what your team is right now and say anything we get. From Degrom specifically is a huge bonus
0: on I, the year.
2: I don't think this team right now is good enough to win the NL East
0: as it's currently constructed without. Well, yeah. What do you mean without Scherzer without and Degrom? Without Scherzer and Degrom, if that's the game we're playing. No, 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 no. because uh,
2: I think they—they've are they good enough to win, good to win the
0: NL East with Scherzer and no Degrom? You want to go? Uh, I I think, yes. I think they are. I think totally they. They need that one. That's guy guy what they were for. That can win the them a game. But
1: yeah. I think that matters more in the playoffs than it does right now.
2: It does, and I think the thing with the Mets right now is they're cashing in on almost every opportunity. The runners on base. You talk about the Yankees' sustainability. I feel like homers might be more. It's really tough, you know. Hitting with runners in scoring position is really fluky sometimes. If yeah. they just the bats get cold with runners in scoring position at the wrong time, they could get on a big time losing streak because they don't have the power to bring them back. And I know power bats can go cold, too. We've seen that with the Yankees almost every playoff run. But if the Mets, like we've seen in 2020 when they led the league in batting average, but they they were anemic with runners on base, if we see that team come back at the wrong time and then they don't have the starting pitching, you know, I could see the team slipping in the NL East. I'm not worried about the Phillies. I think the Phillies stink. (laughs) Um, <laughs> or same with the Marlins Nationals. So it's a weak division for the Mets. It's
0: a two team race for sure. But I
2: could see them being a wild card team.
0: But the thing is, is that I want to, you know, we talked about the Yankees and, um, you know, how that, that that lineup, you know, we kind of agreed to disagree, but, you know, the lineup can have that depth where some guys can get hot, some guys can get cold, kind of. The Mets have that too. I mean, the depth with the Mets lineup is, is very impressive. And, um, you know, obviously uh, the additions certainly help with that. But just also, like, um, Francisco Lindor has basically been a new addition with, with, with how well that he's played this year versus last season I mean that you add that to this lineup and then even Pete, Pete has Alonso been much better. A lot better McNeil Jeff McNeil has been much better as well I mean these are like almost additions to this lineup How
2: about Luis Guillerme yeah you want to hear a crazy stat there are only three Mets with over five home runs
1: that is crazy, but there's also
0: nine
2: Mets right. with
1: an OPS. Marte,
2: Lindor, Alonso. Yeah, that makes sense. have like one bet, if like they don't have the power number, I know they hit great for average and they hit great runs in scoring position, but like if Alonso were to just like get hurt tomorrow, wow, uh, they they need the power of him. Like yeah. they need him. But so but I bad. trust. I, I well, tr-
0: that's that's what was so scary when he had that hand oh, yeah. when he got hit on the hand and Marte, Marte also got, got, hurt. got hurt in that game. That was like code red. But I mean, the, that was panic. It looked like the Pete broke his hand. Stanton I
2: mean, could get hurt tomorrow. Even Judge could get hurt tomorrow. The Yankees are like the above Yankees- 500
1: without Judge the last...
2: Well, years, you're so. comparing
0: so, the best team in baseball with Not the, power you know, the rankings, best team in the National pow- these League. These are the two
2: teams with 40-plus wins. But you wins. could also
0: argue that power comes and goes. I mean, there are certain 100%, stretches 100%, 100%, where guys go and don't hit home runs. So but I mean, you need we've a, seen it with the you Yankees. You need a
2: good balance. I think the Yankees are really power-heavy. I think the Mets are— Yeah, I would argue mm,
0: that neither team has a good balance. I mean, the Yankees are a lot more power-heavy, and the Mets are obviously a lot listen, more average they're on Listen, they're getting the job done now, both
2: 40-plus wins. I'm just comparing the two because MLB power rankings right now, it's Yankees one, Mets two.
1: It's hard not to compare them. Two best records, yeah. Both New, in York. New York, I yeah. Mean, of course, we're beat reporters.
2: Both I the teams. think yeah. the, the <laughs> one thing is that this team lacks power, and if Alonzo, were something to happen to him, or even Lindor, like you can't make up those two bats the same way the Yankees might be able to. I do agree that with separates that. the two teams.
1: Yeah, I mean Pete Alonzo, like he, we talk about how good he's been though. What he's done this year, he's he's taken it a step up from last year, oh, yeah. and I mean leading the NL. In rbis 18 homers he he has really i think taken that next step from you look at what he was rookie year then he struggles a bit he's he's a, like he's there he's right there in the national league top five in the mvp race no doubt about that so to mike's point though you look at are they too reliant on him because you if he does get hit again if something happens where do you make up that power again that's a hypothetical but I think I, I do get the concern for sure. Um, you know, with how just important these guys are to the lineup, but they're so important because they're so good, and that is yeah. what's most important.
0: Yeah, I worry. I worry more about the health of the the pitching staff um, because those are
1: the guys that aren't healthy. So yeah,
0: obviously those are the guys that aren't healthy, especially Degrom. I mean, that is like he, he is not a guarantee what you're getting. He, he's not a guarantee to be on the mound at this point. I mean, he has been, you know, obviously spent a lot of time being injured. Um, we've seen how. good – dominant he can be when he is on the mound um, which I think is something important for Mets fans and for everyone to remind themselves is DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of a rotation is is unstoppable I mean if those two guys are are healthy I mean you, you look at the Mets as a team that I don't I don't even know if anyone can beat him you know what I'm saying so I I think that um you know you just have to continue to remind yourself that Scherzer will be back Degrom will be back. Um, you know who knows how long he'll be there, but um, I, I think overall you have to just continue to say, okay, it's about I guess just weathering the storm right now. The Braves also, while the Mets were, you know, in that West Coast swing, the Braves were playing Arizona, Colorado, Oakland, and Pittsburgh. Yeah, those the are their 11 wins. Um, so that's those are bad teams. I all just, of
1: them. I just uh, I you know I I don't think baseball. I, the schedule is not – I don't see it like where it's schedule-based. I think like the NFL is it matters you play a lot more. I think it evens out over a full season. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, those are bad baseball
0: teams. The, the, it's but one thing if it's do? one series, you know what I'm saying? Because baseball, anybody can win any night. I agree with you on that. But when you have a bunch of bad teams stacked together, I mean, it does make a difference. And I mean, they also have the Nats and Cubs coming up too. Those are two bad teams again. I mean – and then i think from there it gets it gets a little more challenging for them i think but um that's a, that's i mean that's probably the easiest that's got to be the easiest sure. part of their schedule as the mets were playing you know one of the hardest yep. parts of theirs
1: and and you look at what happened though the Braves don't lose a game so yeah. i think and i think no, no, that, that, there's your credit
0: group. to be said to that too i yeah. mean winning every single game you're supposed <laughs> to win yeah yeah. Um,
1: yeah so i think you know when when you look at the mets lineup you have a lot of guys who and i'll go you know, I'll do the Brandon M.O., Jeff McNeil, and Marte. All three have been very good. I'm just looking at OPS Plus right now, and every single player on their starting lineup besides Nito has been above average. So of those of those guys, that those secondary guys, not the Lindors, not the Alonzos, who do you guys expect, I guess, to keep it up in sense of, like, they are a key. You need this guy at the top of the lineup every game.
0: I think Nimo is, like, a safe bet. I mean, he played pretty well last year considering, a, you know... Um Uh, an offense that was not very good. Um, I always trust Nimmo. I think, you know, he's uh, a very good professional hitter. That's something the Mets have this year that I felt like they lacked uh, last season is professional hitters. And by that, I mean, guys that have an approach and know what they're doing at the plate. And obviously that's credit to the coaching staff as well. And credit to Buck, I feel like as well. Um, But that's something that you can really place a lot of trust in guys that, you know, aren't going to you know the, the, the peaks and the valleys are going to be kind of uh, evened out I guess you could say in that you're not going to get too high you're not going to get too low it's going to be a fairly consistent play at the plate um, and I think Nimmo is one of those guys Escobar is another example one of those guys that is just going to put on really good at bats time in and time out McNeil has been good but last year he was bad I mean he really struggled last season so um, but he's been very good this year so uh, I would say Nimmo is that guy for me just because he's been a little bit more consistent
2: yeah I think it's Alonzo no doubt
0: for Me, I'm not gonna. He said other than Alonzo, though. Mike, come on. That's I I was. (laughs) Let me let me finish. I was gonna say it's definitely
2: Alonzo for me, but I want to talk about another guy. (laughs) Okay, there was Jeff McNeil, and McNeil for me has been a total resurgence for him. Think about last season where he really struggled. And you know, he's one of the guys you talked about. Is he worth keeping around because he didn't have the power, only seven home yeah, runs. Yeah, there was
0: a question of even keeping him. Hitting no yeah. hitting
2: just above two fifty and he's just kinda a really a contact guy. He's almost the Mets DJ LeMahieu. This season he looks exactly what he was his first three years with the Mets. The average is there, three twenty. Uh one thirty three OPS plus, that's I think top three on the team. It has to be for the Mets. Um yep. and the power, it's not, you know, all the way there. He's got three bombs this season. But
0: at times um, with him, I mean Last year, he talked about how he got a little too power hungry, in meaning that he was really, you know, because I think he hit, I think he he, he had a really great season power wise in he 2020 hit 20, 2019, and he then hit 20, into twenty
2: nineteen to twenty three bombs. Okay,
0: there you go, and then Juice in, balls. Though. Yeah, it, well, uh, yeah, but into you know twenty twenty one, he was you know almost I think changing his approach a little bit and really trying to be that power guy when he's not that look guy. Him. You know, Just he's definitely him. an average guy. Yeah, exactly. You, you know. He, He's, uh, he's made some changes to his swing as well. He's a little bit more bent over, and I think you know he's more about, obviously, the contact in that average.
2: Yeah, so uh, for me, it's definitely McNeil, and he's someone that needs to be a constant cog you know, in that Mets lineup the same way I think DJ needs to be that for the Yankees. And uh, if he keeps doing that, they're always going to have runners on base, and they're always going to be able to do something in innings. He doesn't strike out a lot. He keeps innings going, so... For me, it's McNeil.
1: Okay, so this is how I want to end it, and it's something that you talked about that you did during the last Mets stretch, and let's do it again. I hope in two nosebleeds they reference that two nosebleeds
0: ago they did the schedule <laughs> I thing. I hope we go down in nosebleeds They'll history, reference but... how
1: two nosebleeds ago they talked about two, two nosebleeds, nosebleeds ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is the goal. And this this current stretch, you have the Brewers, three at home. You have four versus the Marlins at home. Then it's two versus Houston. Then it's three at Miami, and then you end the month with two at home against Houston. So two on the road, two at home versus Houston. In can I get a stretch, total number? Can it's we, 15 games. Can All we get a Pat or our
0: uh, producer, to do the math for us? It's 15. I did the math. <laughs> he doesn't need to. Um, 15 games. So it's three versus the Brewers,
1: seven versus the Marlins, yep. and four versus the Astros. Sam, I'll start with you. Mike, you know maybe he needs some more time to compute those numbers um, than you do. Fifteen games. What's the record in the stretch?
0: Okay, so I think um, I said already. Said two out of three is reasonable from the Brewers. I would say the seven Marlins games. I would say you, sh- uh, you can win five of those, and then um, and then I guess you would like to see them win two out of four against the Astros. So what is that total? So what do you think they're going to do? five, do think six, gonna six, seven, split? eight, nine? No, I guess that's nine wins
1: so 9 and out of 15. Okay. So nine. I'm going I'm going one up and I'm
2: saying this more in a hopeful way. If the Mets No, I'm
0: I'm a little hopeful too. I think um they could I think 4 out of 7 against the Marlins is more reasonable, but I think they're not a great team and I think they should take 5 out of 7 from those. And
1: 4 at home. Yeah. You, you, yes. 3 yes, of 4 yes. and then
0: 2 of 3. Yeah. Yeah. They also have a fanny pack giveaway on Friday the 17th against the Like them, what I mean, what would I of- be happy with or what do I think's going to happen?
1: What's 15 game stretch? What's the record?
2: I'm going to go 9-6. I think that's just safe. 8-7, 9-6. And I think they only need to do that. 10-5 and five would be awesome. I mean, yeah. If you can go 10-5, and five, that that's amazing. Because your next stretch after you finish a two-game set against the Astros, it's the Rangers for three. Then it's the Reds for three, and then it's back to the Marlins for four before you buckle up against the Braves, which will be the, the big series. At this series. point, let's
0: just go over their whole schedule. <laughs> All right, All so the way to the end. At the end of July. <laughs> After the All-Star break. Have, well, when's um, the Subway series now that I'm here? <laughs> no, uh, July, July 26, 27. Yeah, okay. that'll that'll be one be awesome. there's, there's two, right? I mean, there's, there's got to be one. There's one, one later. All right, let's yeah.
2: count how many games till we get. No, okay, <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with <laughs> I'm happy with nine and six, and uh, – you got an easier schedule after that, so if you can just play a little above five hundred, or you know, maybe not even a little above. I think they're feeling good the pressure above. a
0: little bit from the Braves. If, so if I, they I do this, and the Braves them. win fifteen, you need in a row. to
2: extend your. Yeah. You need to extend your lead
0: before you get. The to The Braves are going to lose the game. I mean, the Braves will lose. Do you want to confidently re- say that? I think the Braves will lose one game between the Nats and Cubs. Okay. I, I think that's. I, I just don't think it's. Let me let me go to eventually
1: my, I have my memorized MLB schedule in my head.
0: See where that is. <laughs>
1: Um, so I, I agree. I think it's, it's two of three versus Milwaukee. I think it's three of four at home. Then you split the Astros and then you take two of three at Miami. That, that, that's that's, that's, that's been what the you Mets. expect. That was so the can Mets you, mantra. you do the math for me?
0: Nine and six. That's nine and six. We're all saying yeah. nine and six. That was the
1: mantra yeah. for the Mets. Like that first two months. Of the year was just two of three, two of three, two of three. They were yeah automatic machine in that. Uh, yeah. they, didn't they didn't lose a they series. They didn't sweep, for, and they didn't lose a series. Yeah, for a um, long time. Yeah. So so I think that's what it is. A lot of numbers, but at the end of the day, for the people listening, is 9 and 6 is the, is the six. predictions for the, next, for the rest of this month for the Mets, which I think you'll take. Um, but I think, guys... Is that just about to do it? I'll give you guys the floor one last time. Anything no, I got to nothing
0: say? to say, Sam. I gotta. I'm, I'm super excited on a personal note to get back to Citi Field tomorrow. Can't wait. First, First Mets game back, so I'm super pumped. So that'll shipping be off to Queens. Queens. Yep. We're
1: shipping them off to Queens. That long um, commute there. Can't that, wait. Yeah, I'm. It's glad to have you back, man. Yeah, can't um, but, can't wait. But this was a blast. I think for me, Mike. Sam, shout out Pat, shout out Adam. Yeah, I um, think Pat did a great job. Shout out on this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he, him coming out on a day that's so special to him, I think that's you know really important. It, that too.
1: Being the birthday, yeah. Um, but no, let's let's end this on a serious note. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Noseweeds, we'll be back next week. A production of WFEV Sports. <laughs>